It's time to talk University of Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web with head coach Chris Mooney, live from World of Beer Bar and Kitchen, 11,600 West Broad Street in Short Pump. Tonight's show is brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, Bryant Heating and Cooling, Cornerstone Partners co-star group and Bon Secours Health System, and by Cabell Childress Group. Join in online anytime and be a part of the show with your questions and comments. Text 804-327-0888. Email behind the web at richmond.edu or on Twitter using at Spider Voice, at Richmond Athletics, or at ESPN Richmond. Now, here's the voice of the Spiders, Bob Black with Coach Mooney. This is Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer on 1061 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network. Burton slips and falls. Roach, three ball, yeah! Richmond by two. After the bucket, the three ball by Jason Roach. Oh, timely three by Jason Roach. He needed it, he wanted it, he took it, he got it. What a shot. No pressure on the inbounds. It comes to Dixon, who gives it to Brewer. With five, with four. Brewer hangs, puts it up, missed it. Bigelow had the rebound. The buzzer sounds. The game is over. The Richmond Spiders have rallied from 22 down and have beaten Duquesne by two. What a way to ring in the new year for us with Behind the Web, our first edition of 2023, and we probably couldn't have scripted a more exciting way to get our show underway. We're going to dub this one the comeback edition of Behind the Web. Behind the Web has come back after the holiday break, and the Richmond Spiders in historic proportions came back Saturday night to knock off Duquesne by two after trailing by 22. Welcome to the program here at World of Beer in Short Pump. If you're in the area, come on by and join us. Have dinner, talk some spider and college basketball with us. If you're tuned in, you can interact as well behind the web at richmond.edu to send us an email or text us 804-327-0888. Coach Mooney, good evening. How was your weekend? <laughs> Pretty great. Uh, obviously, obviously, uh, uh, you know, incredible game. Uh, incredible atmosphere at the Robbins Center and uh, just, you know, um, kind of a storybook finish. And I uh, thought we thought we really handled ourselves well being down so much and being able to come back um, as well as we did and to play the, and finish the game the way we did. I said to a few folks today we were going to get the anatomy of a comeback tonight from you and from Neil Quinn, who is our player guest. So if we did that. Where did this thing actually start? I mean, they're blazing hot. They make 12 straight shots, nine straight three-pointers. And yet, Chris, I think you guys felt the same way, but I can tell you on the other side of the court, we were looking at the game and thinking, we're not playing that badly. No, right. They're just exactly. making every shot known to basketball. Yeah, yeah. they made, of those uh, nine threes out of 12, I think um, yeah, I think they, they were fairly well contested on just about all of them. And uh, so, you know, they, they shot the ball incredibly well. I mean, you never really see a um, you never see a shooting performance like that necessarily. Uh, and then <clears throat> I, I think the biggest part of the game was the last four minutes of the first half. So uh, we got down 22. We called another timeout. And then from the four-minute mark on, the game got down to 15. And so that seven-point 
swing right there was really, really important. It made it for, you know, it made it so we'd have a little, a little bit of momentum going into halftime. Uh, and also, I think in that, in that four minutes, they missed a couple of threes, so it felt a little bit more uh, normal or that, that they're not going to make every shot. Gives us confidence there. And then I think that that by far was the biggest thing. And then at halftime, I also, you know, they really attacked our pressure when we pressed in the first half. And we thought that that wouldn't be a good idea. And the game was fast enough that we could we could come back, uh, you know, adequately with, with the current speed of the game. We didn't need to speed up the game. We could play a half-court offense, half-court defense game, and hopefully score enough and have our defense settle down uh, so that we could. And I, th- I think we ended up taking the lead with nine minutes to go. Yeah, so right around there. there. Yeah. So, so we had plenty of time. And, um, you know, the guys were, were great coming out of halftime. The, the play at the end of the first half where Tyler drew the foul on the three-point shot to get it down to 15, you know, there were, some, there were some really good plays in that last four minutes that enabled us to have confidence and to have a much more manageable deficit. Yeah, 9-2 to two run. From yep. the last media timeout to the end of the first half, they didn't make a field goal, just the two free throws. They actually missed four three-pointers. So I thought this was pretty crazy, right? It's crazy they made nine in a row right. and ten three-pointers in the first half. After that, they missed 16 of their last 17 three-pointers. <laughs> How do you go from one extreme to the other? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, basketball is, has a funny way of doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'd like to say that our defense really stepped mm-hmm. up, but I don't think our defense was so bad, again, on, on the nine made threes. You know, uh, we Tyler even fouled the one, which was an N1 three-point mm-hmm. shot right in front of our bench. We were kind of there. You know, sometimes you're there, but you're not firm and, and decisive with your defensive stance or your presence. Uh, and that that's a little bit of an explanation. Uh, but then in the second half, I feel like – you know, we, we were more, you know, the momentum was in our favor. The crowd was great. So in that respect, I think it's a little bit more explainable that we were able to to dig in and, and make those three-point shots a little bit harder. Part of that comeback came for the few precious minutes that Tyler Burton was out of the game. What did you see or learn about your guys? Because part of that comeback occurred while Tyler was on the bench. Yeah, well, I mean, um, that, that that's a great point bob you know i i feel like one thing i look at when i look at our stats is that jason roach needs to play more and you know unfortunately the guy who's plays his position in front of him plays 40 minutes so how can we get jason in there and usually we put him in and we might move tyler to guard um you know and then and then you might lose andre's defensive presence or if jason nelson goes out then you lose someone who's a traditional point guard uh, but we have to get Jason Roach in the game more, and he was able to to get some minutes there, obviously, and uh, and play because he's, you know, he's just beside beyond the shooting. He's a he's an excellent player. Um, you know, he's always in the right spot. He always kind of makes the right decision. So, uh, you know, I I think we have to start trying to spell Tyler a little bit. Uh, he really doesn't get tired uh, as much as he's asked to do out there. Um, so I think we can probably as we're as we feel a little bit more comfortable, have have a couple minutes maybe each half where Tyler does get does come out of the game uh, because we did handle ourselves pretty well. That's easier said at World of Beer on a Monday night <laughs> than it is on the sideline of the Robin Center on a Wednesday night, isn't it? Much easier. <laughs> much easier. Much easier. Much, you know, much I, easier. I couldn't help but feel bad a little bit for Jason Roach. So he makes 
one jumper. His foot is just barely on the line. Right. Instead of a three, it's a two. He makes one three after the shot clock buzzer. He makes another three that gets negated because there was a foul away from the ball. He really wasn't shooting all that badly. No. He just couldn't find it on the stat sheet. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a great shooter. I think it's different when you have a shooter like him in terms of, um, you know, what, what you're considering statistically. I think most of that goes out the window. You know, he's he's uh, an elite shooter, an elite worker. He really has a, a great um, regimented way that he goes about that, that, you know, that you wouldn't be surprised seeing how good of a shooter is in the results. But I think the, the statistics and how he's doing and those kind mm-hmm. of things go out the window when it's a player uh, that great of a shooter. You know, it's it's almost like some of the guys we've had have been these incredible dribblers. You know, that that if they lose the ball one time, you're not concerned about it mm-hmm. because you've seen such such greatness. And uh, so that that's how we felt. I mean, I, I, we were trying to make sure he, we, we did a little bit of offense, defense down the stretch. Mm-hmm which is not to say he's a, is a bad defender, but more for the rebounding that, that Zay provides. Uh, but, yeah, we wanted, him, we wanted him in there, and you're right. It wasn't like he was, I think statistically, was 0 for 5 going into that shot. But in reality, he had made a couple. Here's the other thing that I thought about afterwards. So that last play, you did have something designed. Obviously, Tyler Burton or Matt Grace, and the play breaks down because Tyler slips. I can't tell you how many times I watch you guys in practice and you run offensive plays and somebody messes up or the ball goes in the wrong and you'll just say play play keep playing we're okay right and i couldn't help but think that had to be between the ears of all your guys and players made a play yeah i hope so i i think that's a great point you know uh basketball is is incredibly unscripted and (laughs) you know because the game's so fluid and who's in the game and how many fouls somebody might have, all those things. And it's, so it's very fluid. So as much as you try to script, it doesn't always work out for that, for that particular play. And that, that, that is a great example. I, I think that for as much as we run a patterned offense, you have to be able to read the defender and make the next play. And staying calm is also a really big part of that. You know, there, there's always more time on the clock than you think, mm-hmm. always. Um, you know, you're never in as much trouble as you think. And uh, I, we do try to instill those things in our, in our guys, you know, from the first, first day of practice and trying to make sure that you remain calm. And, you know, we even have a thing, especially with our big guys, if they lose their dribble or, or mishandle the ball, like that often turns out to be your advantage. You know, the, the guy who's mishandled the ball, if you, if you retain possession because somebody has lunged or leaned in or – left the double teams what, what something has has can kind of benefit you and i think it's the same ideas you know just stay as calm as you can continue to play and then that instance it was great because tyler you know tapped it over to jason in you know in a rhythm and jason immediately you know got the ball and calmly threw it to jason roach so obviously it worked out perfectly then but i, I do think that is something that we stress pretty cool that jason roach hits that shot his dad has traveled yeah. all the way from yeah. California just for the weekend yeah. to see that game and then fly all the way back to California. Yeah. Great. I mean, we saw him after the game, and he was – I said that it, you know, he might he might fly back to California without the plane. Uh, he was just so excited and, you know, great atmosphere for – I think uh, I think he's been to one game before, but to see a sold-out crowd and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has anticipation every time Jason shoots that he's going to make the shot. I mean, he's just – uh, you know, and he's an incredible kid and worker. 
so so lucky to have him, and I'm, I really was. S- same thing. I felt so great that his dad was in the house. All right. Beyond that, I thought the other two guys who were really instrumental, one of them is here tonight in Neil Quinn, and then you referenced him a little bit, Isaiah Bigelow coming off of the bench, that those two guys really helped stir the straw of the comeback. Yeah. I- Isaiah, I-, I thought that was his best game, and he, he played – a very good game against GW. He had 12 rebounds against George Mason. Uh, you know, he gets rebounds in crowds, and, mm-hmm. and that's not uh, that's not always easy for the Spiders. Um, <laughs> but he, he – uh, and then I thought he played a, a really great floor game. He had a, a really nice drive, maybe with about five minutes to go from the top of the key, uh, made a three-point shot, uh, was very active on the offensive glass. He, he played a great game, very good defensively. And then Neil, I mean, <clears throat> I, I think probably – uh, a lot of the, a lot of the fans would tell you, you know, the more aggressive he is. I think he shot 13 free throws. The more aggressive he is, the far better we are. Um, just because there's space in there for him to operate. Uh, he's, you know, his excellent post moves, tremendous footwork. He can finish, uh, and then that draws the, that attention. Then everybody else has a little bit more freedom or a little bit more um, space on the floor. Uh, so I think his aggressiveness really goes hand-in-hand with how effective we are on offense. 13 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists for Neil Quinn. He's going to tell us all about it when he joins us here at the head table for World of at World of Beer for Behind the Web. We'll take our first time out. Neil Quinn makes a return appearance already to Behind the Web. He's up with us next from World of Beer in Short Pump on 1061. ESPN. Timeout's over. Now, more behind the web from World of Beer in Short Pump on 1061 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network. Quinn on the low block backs his way in. He spins one way and jump hook with a foul. And he'll go to the line and Quinn with a muscle pose afterwards. That's nine for Neil Quinn and a chance for one more. Quinn giving a fan a high five on the way by. I tell you what, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to get a part of that celebration after Quinn finishes. starts with us he is our special player guest on tonight's edition of behind the web live from world of beer here in short pump you were getting really excited at that point of the game the high five to the fan just two hour left over there and it was getting it was getting pretty emotional i mean let's do this anatomy of a comeback thing from the from the player's perspective here i mean old coach here he's coached like 600 games or so he's he's seen a little bit of everything but and i know you're a veteran player but not that much what what was that kind of like for you guys as players um yeah i mean like like you guys said earlier it all starts in practice um you know like when i first got here you throw a backdoor cut and it's not open right away it's be calm be patient you know wait till you're open whatever so just being able to to understand like they can't shoot 10 for 14 like and they can't keep that percentage up like the law of averages it's impossible so just know like we're if we keep doing our right things and keep getting the crowd involved because a sold out crowd it's hard to win against that so to just keep everybody, you know, engaged, keep the crowd, give them something to cheer for, that's very important. Did you guys kind of feel, as Coach talked about, the last four minutes of the first half, things started to turn at that point. They missed some threes, 9-2 run for, for you guys. Tyler makes those couple of free throws at the halftime buzzer. Did you guys kind of feel that while you were in the locker room at halftime? Yeah, uh, I definitely think, like, there was a there was something we could work with off that, you know. Um, you know, everybody kind of stepped up a little bit after that uh, the timeout right before the run. So we all knew, like, 
we just got to keep our heads in it, stay positive, and make sure that we keep doing everything we possibly can to continue to whittle down the lead. You know, I think we said to 10 by the first media, and we got it down to 9. So just keep on working and keep on working. And we got there. Coach referenced 13 free throws, which means you've got to be getting the ball and you've got to be aggressive. How much was that your mindset as that game unfolded? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think once, you know, like I had a few good moves, but I just couldn't make them. So I just know, like, all right, you know, keep going. Like, they will fall. And so I got the M1 right before the end of the half. Um, and so I just carried that energy on to the to the second half. And then Tyler went down with the ab cramp. So I just knew, like, I had to keep going. So, <laughs> so just keep working and working. What was shooting those free throws like, right? Because in that situation, for fans who don't know, the opposing coach, right, gets to pick. Yeah. One of the four players that are on the floor to shoot the free throws, right, Chris? Correct. It's really a strange rule yes. um, that the opposing coach can choose who, whoever was on the floor. So I asked the official, because there's another scenario. I think there's a scenario where the, the same coach can pick someone. Oh. I can't think of what that one is right now, but I think there's a scenario. And so I said, um, am I allowed, do I pick the shooter? And he said, no, you can pick the sub. I said, well, I, I appreciate appreciate that. Uh, but, yeah, and then, they, and then they chose Neil, you know what I mean, uh, much to their, much to their uh, negative. negative much to their uh, chagrin, that's right. Out, that's right? right. You made them pay for that by not. But that had to be kind of weird, right, that you weren't expecting to shoot. You didn't get fouled on that play, right? right. Yeah, I mean, at first I was confused. But, you know, when they said, like, we want him to shoot, I'm like, all right, bet. So just, you know, knock them both down, you know. So what was it like for you guys with Tyler out of there? He, I don't think he'd been out in the last two-plus games probably uh, until those few minutes that he was out. And what did you guys kind of learn about yourself that, you know, he could get a breather from time to time? Yeah, I mean, I think we learned that, you know, as big of a piece as Tyler is, um, when he's off the floor, that means everybody else has to elevate their level of play. Um, and I think that, you know, I when I – get the ball and Tyler's not in the game I have to immediately look to score and you know to just be as aggressive as possible because I know that you know we don't have our NBA player in the game so everybody else has to step up and, and do great things well you know the crowd is urging you to do that when you get the ball <laughs> coach mentioned Jason Roach I think you and he are the two guys right when you touch the ball at a home game the crowd already starts to urge you on Jason to shoot the three and you to go to the basket do you hear that during a game oh yeah yeah <laughs> you can't zone that out can yeah you? I, I think there was one offensive rebound uh towards the end and i kicked that out to zay and i was like oh you know <laughs> but you know you just <laughs> you just got to keep on going and, and i definitely it, it helps you know at sometimes to just know that you have ten thousand or however six thousand people out there that like have confidence in you and believe in you and want you to go out and do your thing. So I, I definitely think that's it's very beneficial. That's the same kind of urging you're giving him on a daily basis of practice, isn't it, it's, Coach? More or less. More <laughs> or less it's the same it's the same kind of thing. But it is you know, he has uh, he has such near perfect instincts and so a lot of the times he when he doesn't shoot and throws the ball out you know, it's because there is an extra defender or there's somebody that's wide open or has a better look. Uh, but on some of those, he has to make that decision to to go and shoot it and, and just uh, stay as aggressive as possible because 
it creates so much opportunity for himself and for everybody else when he is aggressive. So uh, that's something we've been talking about and we work on, and he's working hard on it. And I think we're starting to see the results for sure. Sometimes the double teams come, sometimes they don't. And right. obviously he goes one-on-one when he doesn't. But 47 assists, only 22 turnovers. If that double team's coming, somebody's open, and he's yeah. finding them, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. And, and again, he's a great passer and has a very good sense of where guys are. Uh, I think they doubled only once uh, against uh, the other day, twice. Yeah, it was once in the first half and then two, three times in the second. Okay. So they didn't double quite as much as we had seen them double on tape. Um, so, yeah, but and, – and, you know, for him it's a little bit – and we're, we're fairly spread out, so it, it's a little bit of a giveaway when teams double. Um, and the, 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 the biggest part that we have to make sure is that our guys keep moving because sometimes you get a sense of, if I stand here, I'm one of the guys that could be open. But, you know, that's not exactly how you should. We should still be cutting and moving and sliding a little bit, even if it's just, you know, uh, three or four feet, just to a more open spot to help the guy who's getting who now has two defenders on him. So, uh, yeah, I think it's more just everybody – you know, anticipating it to a certain extent and then reacting very quickly to the double team. Where did that kind of, I don't want to say innate, but passing ability come for you, Coach? And it wasn't just at Richmond because when you said, hey, Neil Quinn's coming to Richmond and he's a great passer. It's one of the first things yeah. you said about him. I know you can work on your shot. I see you out there all the time with Coach Boyden and, and Early and working on the shot. Where did the passing ability kind of come from for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I always think I've, I've been a good passer ever since I was younger. Um, you kind of just learn from your mistakes, and you just, like, you know, like you could see that there's an extra defender coming, um, and that if you dribble too much, they're going to lose the ball. So you have to be able to make the correct play. And, you know, at Lafayette, you know, Coach O'Hanlon was great at helping me figure all that out and just being able to find numerical advantages, you know, on certain sides of the floor. Because if you can find the two-on-one, you're going to find probably an open shot. So it's always finding the numerical advantage. All right. Speaking of Lafayette, we were talking before we went on the air, and I said, you ever have any experience like that down 22 other than the games that we've had this year? And that's well documented. We've had several double-digit games that we've come back from. But you did have that experience and a positive one at Lafayette, didn't you? Yeah. So my freshman year, I mean, I didn't play too much, but um, it was definitely, you know, we, it was the uh, youth day, so all the middle school and elementary school kids. It was like an 11 a.m. game. On oh, this, yeah. You know. <laughs> so all the, the young kids were into smaller, you know, Patriot League-sized gym. And, you know, we went down early, and then we had a barrage of threes, and the whole crowd was going crazy. And we, we, we came back, and we won the game against Colgate, who lost in the championship to Boston U that year. So it was just like it, it was an incredible experience. So, like, to just have that knowledge, like, any game especially with three-point shooters nowadays you can come back from almost anything so to just you know to stay the course and stay consistent it's very important that seems to be the moral of this story is that no lead is safe and we've talked about this for several years now but it seems to be even more prolific right now yeah it is i think you know when i watch um when i watch games and or or the commentator said they blew a six-point lead it's like Six-point lead. That's nothing. <laughs> I've never said that. No. <laughs> never said that. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, it's just such a game of momentum and runs and so fluid. Uh, and then, you know, you take into account, um, you know, the, the calls that can change the game or how quickly the ball can be turned over without a steal. You know, without a steal, the, there are a lot of things that can happen. So, yeah, I, I think that um, – 
And it's also, it's not the easiest thing to play with a lead because now you're starting to gauge, well, should we shoot, stay aggressive and do what you've been doing, take a few seconds here, and there's there's probably no perfect way to do it, um, you know, because you don't want to lose that edge, but you also don't want to shoot yourself out of a game. So th- there's an advantage to being, to a certain extent, there's an advantage to, to, to catching up, um, you know, even though... It, it, at some point, you have felt terrible because of how how large the lead has gotten to, or the deficit. But there's a certain advantage to going for broke, and that didn't happen quite as much in this game. Again, as I said, we because we didn't press really, or the pressure wasn't part of of why we came back. Um, but sometimes there is that at Charleston. There was yeah. that, you know, and uh, you're. you're the very thing they're doing, being confused whether to shoot quickly and stay aggressive, mm-hmm. is the is the, something the press is really capitalizing on any kind of indecision that you might have. So, yeah, the, I mean, leads aren't it does they're not quite as big as they seem sometimes from from no matter what if you're ahead or you're behind. And we've talked about it particularly at the beginning of the game where you fall behind by yeah. ten or twelve and like that before halftime. Yeah, exactly. Teams have certainly <laughs> caught up. Uh, for, really, for both of you, do you think those earlier games this year, those double-figure deficit that we we came back they didn't necessarily finish the way we wanted them to but came all the way back you think that helped at all the other night i do because i i just think it's a reminder you know uh i think probably one of the one of the most important things that we face with the, our new players is not being able to deal with the ups and downs of basketball and you know uh, too excited or or hyped uh, when when a good play happens, and too devastated when a bad play happens. And you know this is such a competitive thing. All these other teams are recruiting and practicing, uh, and they have their style of play and what they emphasize. That these that's just going to happen, and you have to be able to bounce back. You know, and you have to be able to take the coaching because in the heat of a game, the coaching can't be. Uh, it can't be as calm and 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 uh, wonderful as you'd want it to be, and so you have to be able to bounce back and and play the next play and and uh, not dig yourself a deeper hole. I think that's really, I think it's a, the most important part about coaching, honestly, right now is those younger players. Now we have a team with older players who, can, you know, have been coached, can be coached, and can bounce back. So I think their the experience and those games early, I think, did kind of show us. All right, we have this kind of capability. Neil, do you consciously think about those games earlier in the year while you're going through it Saturday? I mean, you know they're there. You went through them. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that, you know, our team like has the ability um, to just, you know, bounce back from really anything. Like, you know, like we lost to William & Mary, next game beat Drake by 30, you know? So, like, I, I understand, like, our team, we're a very coachable, very, like, low ego, easy to deal with team. Um, so we, we all understand, like, we're all here to win. We're all here to get better. We're all here to be coached. Um, so just, like, you know, that ability is special, and that, that mental toughness and to be able to calm, be calm under pressure is what helps us win games. Every game is its own game, but having said that, can that game help you as we continue to go down the path of Atlantic 10 games? Yeah, I mean, um, it just shows that you're never out of a fight, you know. Um, you know, no matter how big it seems no matter like you're never as bad as you are you think you are you're never as good as you are so as long as you stay even keeled you know continue to trust um the program continue to trust you know the game plan that we've scheduled out um we'll be fine 
So far, so good. Let's take a break. We're about halfway through uh, from World of Beer on Behind the Web. Neil Quinn, Spider Center, is our special player guest with Coach Moody. We'll be back for the second half hour of our program in just a moment on 1061 ESPN. Let's get back to the show. Behind the Web presented by World of Beer and Short Pump. Once again, here's Bob Black on the Spider Sports Network and 1061 ESPN. A nice feed underneath for a Tyler Burton dunk, and it's Neil Quinn at it again with the assists. Neil Quinn doing a good job passing that basketball, which that center position requires a lot. Another feed to Burton, and another dunk, and another pass from Quinn. This is becoming a habit here. That one may have shaken the entire student section. That one was with authority, and I think the rim is still shaking after that. Tyler Burton dunk. Tyler Burton doesn't get those two dunks without those two passes from our guest tonight, Neil Quinn. Just what we were talking about a little bit in that last uh, segment. Welcome back to Behind the Web from World of Beer. Uh, You did make some good passes. You had the four assists, Neil. But when you get dunks like when you get dunks like those on the other end of it, what's kind of the feeling on those passes opposed to maybe a, a regular layup or a jump shot? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, with that crowd, um, it definitely adds more, you know, to, to the energy, to the volume level, um, especially Tyler. Like, he's, he's amazing. Like, when he, you know, like, I've never seen somebody jump that high before, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> so, like, you know, his ability to, to finish plays, um, that's why I always, I always like, keep my eye out for Tyler because I know, especially within the flow of the offense, he's going to be in the right spot at the right time. So all I got to do is give him the ball. Chris, I know some of that is the way Duquesne plays defense. They're aggressive. Uh, Clark, particularly, coming from yeah. VCU, plays a, a certain a certain way. But it feels like, and maybe some of this is your offense starting to gel a little more, it feels like there's a few more backdoor opportunities in the last handful of games. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, Bob. I, I think that, um, you know, you know I, I can judge it by practice and by games. And in practice... You know, we, we scrimmage every day or have live segments every day, and um, the ball movement and the passing and cutting and understanding is really at a high level. Uh, you know, it's still in games. It just It's going to take time to just maximize those opportunities, and you're willing to throw it, but you don't want to throw a turnover. And how do you find that balance of staying aggressive, you know, without, without committing silly plays? And so... But yeah, I, I do think that we're 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 showing more of that, uh, and and uh, hopefully that can help us because you know to me is it's like you're just trying to how many easy baskets can you get yeah. you know can you get an easy basket uh, on a turnover that you convert can you get an easy basket on a on a putback can you get an easy basket in your half court offense and so I I think that we are and we have a good passing team and. Uh, and a good cutting team. There are a lot of good guys, a lot of guys who can cut very well and have a great sense. And we, we even we talked to the team today. We even missed a couple cutters that I think were are were open. And so, uh, so that that's that's a good combination. And hopefully, uh, as our turnovers have gone down, and we can stay aggressive and continue to try to get some of these easier baskets. Neil, you've referenced a great crowd at the Robinson. Your first experience with a, a sellout crowd like that on a Saturday night, and obviously you come back and, and they get jacked up. Now what's it going to take to win on the road, which hasn't just been difficult for Richmond, but everybody in this league, the last two full nights of A-10 action, the home teams are 14-0. and wow. No road team has won. What, what's, what's it going to take to become a good road team now? 
Um, I think it's really to just be able to control what you can control. Um, you know, it's harder to shoot in an away crowd. Um, so really you just have to, you know, bring your own energy. Uh, you have to be tough and you have to rebound because those are three things that, you know, are just completely pretty much in your control. So as long as you do what you can, the shots will start to fall. Trust the flow of the offense, you know, make sure you play great defense and then just, you know, be locked in on the moment. And then at some point you'll take a win. Chris, you and I have both been around this league a long time. I don't think I've ever seen that, where not yeah. only one night, but back-to-back right. -back nights, no road team has won. Is, is there anything to take from that? Is it just an anomaly? What What do you think? Yeah, probably just an anomaly. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure I am sure I would assume most nights it's 5-2, and two, the home team, or yeah, something like right. that. You know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, very unusual. It happened back-to-back. -back and, you know, what was asked in the post game about winning on the road, and we've We've played well on the road. We haven't won on the road. And so um, that's obviously the most important thing. But uh, what we hope for is that, you know, since we're, you know, have strong principles on offense and strong principles on defense, that, you know, sticking to those means you don't have to change drastically from one game to the next or home game to a road game. And hopefully that can pay off for us as we, as we go through the, the road conference season. All right, I uh, got some questions for you, Neil. Um, not from the old guy, radio guy. So these are new, fresh questions <laughs> coming for you here. 804-327-0888. Well, it may not be that young of a question considering who it's coming from. John, <laughs> thank you for the question to Neil. Uh, we've heard a little bit about your relationship with TJ Klein. Can you tell us about that? Your confidence and aggressiveness seem to be different since you started working out with him. Yeah, I mean, um, it's really just having you know somebody that has done it you know at a very high level in the program in the system um to just give you tips and pointers and and i mean everybody knows tj you know he like, he's a little bit different so like to just <laughs> describe different for us neil uh, I'll, I'll pass on that but <laughs> you know just like his you know mentality and to be able to learn from a guy like that and grant who was here over christmas uh for the workout after christmas you know just veteran guys you know especially being the center at richmond is different than being the center anywhere else so to just have you know those guys who you've looked up to uh, impart, you know, wisdom and, and trust and belief in you, it, it really goes a long way. How much are you enjoying that, that the center position is different at Richmond than Lafayette or, as you said, anywhere else? Uh, I mean, it, it's fun, you know. It's, I get the ball a lot. Um, <laughs> did you I, promise him that, Chris, I guess? Yeah, we did promise yeah, that. That, that, one promised promised. That. That, that one you promised. That one you promised. I think one of the first – uh, text I got from Coach Mojo was about the usage rate of the bigs. So there you go. Um, but yeah, to just be able to to play in a system where everybody's moving, uh, you get to read the floor, you know, and to just you know be told like go score, you know, when it's time to go score. It's it's a lot of fun and, and it's a great place to be. Eight zero four three two seven zero eight 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 is our text line. Along those lines, this one comes from Ray. Said, aside from basketball, what are some things you are enjoying about the University of Richmond? Um, yeah, so you know, I guess do my teammates count as aside from basketball? I think so. When you're off, away from the, the court, court, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> off, off the court. Um, you know, me, Janelle, Jai, and Zay—they all come over to to our apartment and and like we hang out pretty much every day this winter break. Uh, we play a lot of 2K, um, but just, you know, being at the university and in class, 
um, you're surrounded by so many smart individuals, you know, and like at Lafayette it was the same, it was a similar kind of school environment. Um, but, you know, as I moved up to higher level classes and the PPEL program, you know, like being around so many, you know, people who will, you know, lead us in the future, um, it's definitely so fun to be a part of. You think that kind of helped the transition? Is it, it is, Lafayette is a, you know, similar school to Richmond. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like I just think I'm in Lafayette and Richmond. You know, the, the main difference is, is basketball. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, no, and Miss Courtney is such a tremendous help um, academically. Um, you know, she makes my life so much easier and <laughs> makes everybody's lives so much easier. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, just being able to, to survive and, and do well in classes that uh, a lot of kids probably wouldn't make it through is, is uh, expand on the academic side a little bit. I've been told by at least one fan that that should be a standard question every week <laughs> with the student athlete. There are still some schools that have student athletes, Chris, believe <laughs> it or right. not, and Richmond's right. one of them. Uh, expand a little bit on your academic experience here at Richmond. Yeah, so um, pretty much I'm learning a lot, uh, like philosophy, like my main PPL course uh, that I took last semester uh, was about property and how property you know property rights how it should be distributed yada 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 so to learn from you know so many different points of view and so many you know philosophers um from the past like it, it's you know it's such a very cool thing to learn about stuff that you don't you never thought about before all right uh, really good stuff from uh, neil quinn tonight we're gonna let you go i know you ordered dinner enjoy that and we will see you at davidson on wednesday night thank you neil thank you neil quinn our special guest tonight, our spider player guest this evening here at World of Beer. Great crowd on hand, Thanks, by brother. the way. Thank you. We'll come back. we got some more questions for Coach Mooney, and we'll preview the Davidson game coming up uh, Wednesday night on the road for the Spiders. After a break on 106.1 ESPN. You up to date with Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street on 106.1 ESPN. From Playfly, this is the Spider Sports Network. Final segment of Behind the Web for a Wednesday night, or for a Monday night. I was thinking ahead to Wednesday, 7 o'clock at Davidson, 6.30 our airtime here on 106.1 ESPN. Uh, that one is on ESPN Plus as well if you want to tune that in on the television side. And then the Spiders do stay on the road as we head up to Olean on Saturday to take on the Bonnies of St. Bonaventure, a very new-look team this season as well with all those starters from last year who um who have departed that's a 2:30 game on saturday afternoon that one will be on usa network and we'll have it for you beginning at two o'clock with our pregame show from saint bonnie so back-to-back -back road contest coming up here for the spiders at davidson wednesday night and eight at saint bonaventure on uh, Saturday afternoon, and then the Spiders are back home next Tuesday, a rather unusual Tuesday game for the Spiders at home, the next home game um, against Rhode Island. All right, got about uh, 10, 12 minutes or so. If you do have questions, again, we'll take them, text them to us, 804-327-0888, or email behind the web at richmond.edu. Um, I don't want to get you in any trouble here, Chris, and you can handle officiating questions as well as anybody, <laughs> but I've had several people ask, what the heck happened on the Jason Roach foul in front of our bench when the ball was in the backcourt on the other side of the floor? I'll even throw myself in that group because 
I never saw it, and our TV cameras never captured it because it was so far away yeah. from the action. Well, hypothetically. <laughs> Perfect start. <laughs> Sometimes players will, will uh, put themselves directly in front of uh, – a defensive player will put himself directly in front of an offensive player uh, when he's going down the court or he's cutting and he's not necessarily even a threat to score so it's not impacting the game you know it's it's something it's uh it can be a little bit of a cheap play because you know obviously we both need to run down the floor you know and you can't block where i'm going um necessarily and i so i and then that can be that can lead the offensive player to just try to get away from them Mm -hmm. to to a certain extent and so so jason was coming down the sideline and there's not a lot of room you know he to avoid him, you might have to go out of bounds, or mm-hmm. uh, and the players just kind of staying step for step with him. And then I think Jason, I don't think he shoved him totally, but I think as he was starting to run a little faster and got close, his arms go out. Huh. So it's really I, well, the reason I don't like it is I don't like it rewards this defensive play, which you know the you know the game would come to a standstill if everybody did it every play. Yep. And so generally, I think you need to try to, you know, you want to call the first one. So that would be the d- defensive player standing in the way of you, of you running to your, you know, to where you want to go on offense. He's not, a, he's not really allowed to do that. And he doesn't have the ball. And so I think, but the ref, I, my guess is the official just saw the, the guy fall down, fall down. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Jason's arms extended. So. You know, at this point, that call can go a hundred different ways, and I, I didn't necessarily think it was the right call myself. Yeah. So, fall down. Has that <laughs> no longer become a point of emphasis? Because we haven't seen it not only against us, but really in any game that I've been watching. Agreed. I, I don't have. I don't have. I don't think it's officially out, but I think that makes it even more dangerous. Can we get the Charleston win then? Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Davidson uh, Wednesday night. Um, how different a team is this with Matt McKillop as opposed to Bob McKillop? Well, uh, very similar, you know, and obviously Matt played there and coached there for a long time. And so uh, in terms of um, what they emphasize and who they are and how they play their patterns on offense, which are beautiful um, and, and how they try to score and defend are all very, very similar. I'm sure that internally it feels a little bit different, you know, not not, not really because Matt's uh, Coach McKillop's son, but more more because it's uh, the assistant becoming the head coach. And I think that voice, you know, as somebody who did that at Air Force, that, that's, a, that's a hard step to make uh, because you've been usually the one, you know, calmly explaining things that the head coach is <laughs> – Corrected, and now you're the one that has to yeah. do the other thing. So I, I, I think that probably internally there's probably noticeable, but I think when you watch them on video, it's very, very similar. So I haven't watched too much of them yet, although I did watch some of the VCU game before ours. But just in looking at their stat sheet, doesn't seem like they're relying on the three pointer nearly as much. Yeah. I think only six per game and only three made per game in their four Atlantic Ten games. That seems different. Yeah, that that one I almost fainted on. Yeah, honestly, you know, uh, you know, the first year they were in the conference, we played them twice, we lost down there, and then we beat them by a lot at the Robin Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were an incredible three-point shooting team. And 
than last year they were an incredible three-point shooting team uh, and but most years they're an excellent three-point shooting yeah. team you know and so that that's kind of the range has been incredible to excellent and uh for this year yeah that i mean i think they only took three uh, i'm sorry they only took 11 threes against vcu yeah. uh so it's it's uh different so while the patterns and you know how they're trying to beat you are similar it's more resulting in a two-point shot attempt or a drive than it is in a three-point shot which we've become so accustomed to do you even uh mention with your guys and talk about hey you know we need to make sure we're razor sharp and zeroed in it's an away game we need to you know every team in the conference right now needs to get over the yeah. hump in away games um but do you even is it even a talking point we, uh really it's more along the lines that we have played well on the road mm-hmm. and there and we've had great or we've had great segments we've had good segments and we've had bad and just that it's not um that if we can you know the, the more you keep hitting it and and trying and and hitting the rock or whatever the expression is you're going to break through and it's more that you know i thought we played that we really played tough and physical and and well at mason we didn't shoot very well um you know we were in too much of a hole at william and mary we were uh we had opportunities at the end of charleston so there there you just have to keep stay with it and hopefully it'll come out on our side does the uh last meeting with davidson make its way into pregame film study at all or or not well we we <laughs> talked about going into that game uh sam menenga had four three-point oh, shots yeah. on the season right uh, i'm sorry seven three-point makes on the season and we didn't you know let him shoot but we were not as reactive to him and he was quickly four for four if you remember <laughs> and uh I do. so we brought that up as a little bit of a joke that even though they're not shooting as well they're certainly capable and we have to be, you know, as much as anything, you have to know who you're guarding, the personnel. And then um, they, they move so much that you and you, you have to continue to know who you're guarding. If you've switched, you have to continue to know who you're guarding because that's a really important element of the of the scout. So it's uh, back-to-back wins and a dramatic win. Uh, and as I said to Neil, every game is its own game. But but do you feel like, in, indeed, that, that could help, that that could be a kind of turning point? Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, you know, that was very exciting on Saturday, really exciting. And, uh, you know, most of our home games we had won by double digits. And so for that to be, to have such a deficit, for them to have come back and they took the lead and and for us to continue to play, yeah, that's a a great shot in the arm and confidence. And, uh, you know, even though the ball – you know, rolling in or out determines the outcome of the game. The feeling after that is so so significantly different, and you can really draw upon those positive factors and the things that we've been working on. I think we had seven turnovers in the game. You know, we've really improved in that yeah. area, and if if we can continue to do those things and get better and better, yes, that confidence could carry us a certain a certain. It, it was a weird one, and we, we talked about it because I think we at halftime we were all saying, "Well, they're not really playing that that badly," right. and yet you know, and fifteen, um, you know, while not ideal, was certainly manageable. I, I think most people were th- were thinking that just kind of a weird game down by twenty two, and people were like, "This is still a game." Yeah, you know, and uh, to piggyback on that point, we have a. Uh, secret game plan of when we're down uh you know double digits at half and how we're going to manage pressing and the timeouts and uh and so on this game we we didn't we didn't go to that to that game right. plan right. uh mm-hmm. and that was because really the pace of the game was very fast um 
and we, you know, a, a big part of it was, well, they can't, sh- they can't make every shot Absolutely. for the all night, and so, so we didn't, we didn't even go to that game plan that we kind of have as part of our, of how we try to um, manage a comeback, uh, and that w- that was also partly that the feeling too. It wasn't like they had so many offensive rebounds or we had so many turnovers, some obvious negative plays. It really wasn't that uh, as much as they were shooting so well especially against contested um, yeah. uh, defense, um, that we thought we could manage the game in, the, in a more normal way. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and it certainly worked out in the Spiders' favor. Hey, real quick before we go, quick update on Jai Bailey. I think he, he's getting close. He is. Uh, so Jai, uh, he did the first part of practice today, which we call the warm-up, which is not um, – which is no uh, non-contact. There's there's no uh, offense, defense. And then um, he'll work out again tomorrow like that and then has a doctor's appointment Wednesday. So uh, I believe that he could be he could possibly be cleared uh, for Saturday's game. That's not that's not a done deal, but he, that's that's a possibility. Uh, and he looks good. He, he looks very good. He doesn't seem to be uh, there's you know, by watching him dribble or go in for layups or pass the ball. There's nothing that uh, he's doing that would indicate that he has an injury. Really help your rotation too, won't it? It really yeah. would. And um, you know, he, he, you know, Jai, I think at his best is a point guard and a playmaking point yeah. guard. And so I, I think that would be a big help. And he's a good defender with great length and and speed and agility. Let's keep it rolling, Coach. Wednesday at Davidson, Saturday at St. Bonaventure. We'll see you back here next Monday night. Sounds great. Thank you, Bob. Spider head coach Chris Moody, and again our special player guest Neil Quinn was with us on tonight's show. Robert Ole on location. Thank you, Matt Josephs. Appreciate you spending a little extra time in the studio today and producing our program. Greg Beckwith and I join you from Davidson. Wednesday night, 6.30 our airtime, 7 o'clock, the Spiders and the Wildcats. We will talk to you then with more Spider basketball right here on the home of the Spiders, 1061 ESPN. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Behind the Web from World of Beer Bar and Kitchen, 11,600 West Broad Street, featuring head men's basketball coach Chris Mooney. Tonight's show has been brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, Bryant Heating and Cooling, Cornerstone Partners Co-Star Group and Bon Secours Health System, and by Cabell Childress Group. Join us throughout the college basketball season for Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer in Short Pump. Thanks for listening and stay in touch with Richmond Athletics on the flagship station of the Spider Sports Network, ESPN Richmond. Executive producer Mitchell Bradley. This has been a presentation of Playfly Sports in association with Richmond Sports Properties.